good evening and welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you tonight as we continue our series, Is This Going Anywhere? We've been thinking over the last few weeks about the story of, of Scripture and the history in Scripture and, and, and trying to understand if that history tells of a particular direction. Is it going anywhere? But as we look at the story of, of Scripture and its history, we're also learning more and more about the future history of our lives that God is writing right now that he is actually already written, but we're experiencing right now. And it speaks to the question, is that going anywhere? Is my life going anywhere? Am I going anywhere? And as we dig into that tonight, let's come before our God and ask that he would help us to understand how he is the author of all history, including ours, and the purpose he has for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for the, the people we learn about in it, for the works that you do in it, that we, we see that the testimony of your purpose and your care for us. Lord, would you help us as we study your word tonight to better understand how you work, how you work in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, speaking of purpose and, and thinking about purpose, I've been thinking about the purpose of one thing in particular a lot this weekend. I think most of us from St. Louis have because this weekend didn't go exactly how anyone from St. Louis would hope, or at least anyone who's a true member of the region, a true citizen of the St. Louis region. If you liked how this weekend went, then I suspect maybe you're an undercover agent from Chicago or something, because of course I'm talking about the end of the Cardinals baseball season. We had this amazing year. It seemed like a, a purposeful year, a year that had this whole overarching story to it as Albert Pujols returned after those years away and was finishing his career here. And, and Yadier Molina was retiring this year as well. And, it, and then, of course, there were questions, is Adam Wainwright going to retire or not? We still don't know the answer to that. But but he was part of that too. And, and just how it all was going to come together. And it felt like we just had to get to the World Series and win one more time with these these amazing guys who have done so much for that team and so much for our city. They, they feel like part of the face of the city when you see Albert or Yachty. And you just can say Albert or Yachty and people know who you're talking about because they've been so core to who it is that the St. Louis Cardinals are and sort of our city too, in a sense. And you think about their lives and, and the, when Albert first emerged and everyone was talking, look at this phenomenal player. He's going to be amazing. And, and early on, people realized this guy is really something. Same with Yachty. And, and over the years, we get so excited. Oh, they've been signed a contract extension or so on and so forth. Before we ever even heard about them, because they weren't yet on our radar, they were playing baseball and learning how and, and working towards that moment where they would be drafted into the minor leagues and then go into the major leagues. As I was thinking about all this, is uh, I just found myself reflecting on how now it has come to an end. I went over to Wikipedia today and I was looking at the entries for, for Yachty and for Albert, and, and notice what I highlighted there. They're no longer professional baseball players. They are former professional baseball players. It's over. And you think about the, the, the steps that took to that point where now, if you look at their pages, it says not only the day that they debuted as a major league player, but the last day they played as a major league player. Because now it's come to an end. And how unlikely it would be to get there, how unlikely it is for anyone to get to that point, apparently 
only about 5% of those who play baseball in high school ever are considered for the baseball draft. And, and of those that get into the minor leagues, only 10% of those ever make a major league debut at all, much less ever have anything like the careers of these two men. Most people don't, even if they get to that point. You think about it. They, they went through all that incredible uncertainty. All They rose to all those incredible challenges. They got there, and, and now it's all over. And, and if they live, and I hope they do, the statistically average lifespan, at least in the United States, and that means they, they'll, they'll live for many decades to come, they only have gone through about half of their lifespan. And yet, and yet, here they are. This, this grand thing that's been overarching in their lives for how many years has come to an end we do with that what do they do with that that's a question for certainly athletes as they retire it's a question for us though every day in our own lives because while we may not feel like we're being swept towards one grand ultimate final finish in the world series we all have things to do and we all have sort of a way we'd like our lives to play out and the question becomes is there any purpose at all to our lives a job that you're, you've been working towards ends. Uh, you, you're in school for something and you realize it's not what you were wanting to study. You, you retire from your career after a fruitful career and yet now it's over. And, and what's next? We want to think there's something. We want to believe there's something. And what scripture tells us is there is something. There's a purpose to our lives. And yet so often in those moments and those inflection points where we have to think, okay, what's next? Or is there anything next? It can kind of feel like, well, maybe I'm just randomly bouncing around for a few years until I die. But there's something in us that says, no, there has to be more. And scripture says, you're right to think there's more. You're right to think there's a purpose. And that's what we see in the life of Abraham. And let's go ahead and turn there to Genesis chapter 12 now and meet Abraham. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's a lot going on there, and I, I want us to, to go back, actually, for a second to that last verse, verse 3. Think about this for a moment. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Imagine you're Abraham, just an average person, we're average people. Imagine if you had the opportunity to hear God explaining the purpose of your life, even if you had that special blessing, most of us, I would suspect everyone that's gathered here tonight as we're going through this series, we don't have God say to us vocally, here is what your life is going to do. Here's the purpose of your life. But what if he did? I, I don't think we'd expect he'd say, and all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed by you. All, all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed by me. What? How? How could that possibly be? Looking at this one individual, it's it's hard to imagine from the get-go how could that kind of purpose come to be. And as life rolls on for Abraham, he's had this promise. Now he's going to have a child, and this child's going to have children. And, and over the course of many generations, God's going to great, create a great nation 
out of Abraham. What an amazing promise. And yet as the, the decades roll on and Abraham grows older and older, it doesn't seem to happen. Notice what Abraham says in, in chapter 17. It says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Abraham says, I've been following the Lord. He's not saying, I'm not going to follow the Lord anymore. It's not that. But what he's saying is, uh, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. How could this be? How How is the whole world going to be blessed? I, I the, Even the, the first step in that, that first descendant that's going to become this great nation, doesn't seem to be showing up. I don't. I, it doesn't make any sense. Now we're not going to spend a lot of time on the story that that follows in this particular series. If you haven't read Genesis in a while or ever, it's worth just reading through that first book of the Bible. There's so much in there, and there's such a rich story of of these first generations of God's people. But the short version is, of course, that Isaac does come. Abraham's son that's been promised does come. God does what he does. He fulfills his promise. And, and then Isaac has a son named Jacob, and Jacob has sons. And think about if we just fast forward to that point. We think about Jacob's sons, the, the 12 tribes of Israel will be formed from them. They look pretty dysfunctional. Jacob and Esau look really dysfunctional. Isaac doesn't look particularly like the picture of of everything good and great and that we could imagine in a person and neither does Abraham we we have in other words this whole line of, of of people who all look relatively dysfunctional more dysfunctional than we'd probably like to think of ourselves as being whether we're being fair there or not but but certainly a lot of problems and we look at that and we think well how could they be a blessing to all the people's of the earth and then even that incredible story that wraps up Genesis where through t- terrible and deceitful means one of the brothers is sold off into slavery and ends up in Egypt and ultimately ends up putting together an incredible famine relief program that saves the other brothers and a ton of other people even then it's hard to imagine how Abraham's family is going to bless all the earth because now they live in Egypt and, and they'll surely you would think normally what would happen in a situation like that is they just assimilate into their new culture and be forgotten. It's not how it goes, but it would be really easy to think that. And so if we rewind back to Genesis 12 and we think about that initial promise that God gave, imagine if, if Abraham heard that promise, all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed. And, and he said, okay, now I'm going to figure out how to make all the peoples of the earth blessed by me. If he did that, he would have just gotten bogged down. And a lot of times we get bogged down. We think, okay, so God says that his people should be a blessing to other people, and I don't even know how I'm blessing anyone else. How in the world can I be a blessing to other people? And we start thinking about these grand sweeping things. If I'm going to have any meaning to my life, it has to be something big. I have to do big, great things. That Even if it's not to the whole earth, I... And we start to, to think about this and it seems just impossible. It seems as unlikely as, as it seemed to Abraham when he says, I'm 100 years old. How am I ever going to have a child that's going to continue this promise and, and become this great nation? We do this a lot in our lives and not just with thinking about grand things like purpose, but just that we have a big project ahead of us. I've been thinking about that a lot the last few weeks as 
We've been preparing for Faithtoberfest, and my mind's whirling this week thinking about this incredible festival we're going to have at the end of the week. But it's an incredible festival with a ton of moving parts to make it happen. It's been several years since we've met in person. We've done it online. When we do Faithtoberfest the last two years, back in 2019, we gathered. And it was a huge undertaking then, but but now we, we've gotten more involved in live streaming. And so not only do we have to have all the different performers and, and make everything work for these wonderful artists. They're going to share their musical gifts with us and have all the food, but we also have all the technology that has to go just in place so that the, that those of you who are, are part of this body that are, are coming in remotely through live streaming alone can be a part of it, trying to get this all to work together so that we can have this giant thing that's going to be a blessing to all of us and hopefully to people we don't even know yet. And, and you start to think about that, or I start to think about that, and I think of all the wiring that needs to be done this week and the food and, and, and arranging to make sure everybody knows their spot in the program and all this sort of stuff. And it just becomes overwhelming. And I just want to freeze up and think, well, maybe I'll think about that tomorrow. Maybe there's something else I can do today because it's just too much. That's often what we do when, when we're trying to think about purpose in our lives and, and trying to understand how, how can I be a blessing? I want to be a blessing. I want to, I want to know that my life matters. Start thinking about this this huge picture and it becomes overwhelming. But here's Abraham. He's promised that by God that he's going to be a blessing to the whole earth. What do we see that he does? He's told by God, not here's the steps so that someday far down in your line there's going to be kings and nations and, and ultimately down the line there's going to be someone called the Messiah who's going to be God incarnate. He's going to be, I'm going to actually come in the flesh and, and, and save the world. He doesn't give Abraham all that. He tells Abraham to move. He tells him he's going to move to a new land. Take a look at verse 4. Genesis 12, 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So here Abraham is, 75 years old. He, he's lived a, a good long life so far. Now God says, you have this purpose, and this purpose is going to be moving so that someday your descendants are going to be a blessing to all the earth. But right now all I want you to do, Abraham, is move. I just want you to move. God doesn't give him everything. He doesn't tell him how it's all going to fit together yet. It doesn't seem like moving to a different line is going to do much to bless anyone. That's what God calls him to do. And Abraham does it because in this moment he trusts God. He sees that God is the one that's calling him, and God's the one that's going to take care of the purpose. That's what we're called to do too. When when we think about our lives and we start getting bogged down on how am I going to make my life have purpose and, and meaning and and what should I do so that the grand sweep of my life, when I look back on it in the last moments of my life, I say, yes, my life had purpose and it was meaningful and it made a difference. We start thinking about those things and we don't know what to do. But often the thing that's right in front of us that we need to do next is much clearer than, than that grand arching story. We think about the greatest commandments that, that we find in Scripture to, to love God and to love our neighbor. And so often what we're really needing to do is not focus on how do I make sure that as much of the, the world is, is impacted in a positive way by myself. We just need to think about well, how do I love God and love my neighbor in the moment? Because if we understand that, that the purpose of our lives is empowered by God, any blessing that's going to flow out of our lives is empowered by God, then we just need to think about what God's called us to do every single moment. 
We see lots of ways that it's applied and, and explained throughout Scripture. But those two very simple and yet very all-encompassing commands provide the foundation for that. And we can focus on those rather than trying to figure out the overall trajectory of our lives when we understand that God is the one empowering our purpose, just as he was Abraham's. Take a look again at verse 3. We need to come back to this amazing verse again. God says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Notice that. I will bless. I will curse. And then through you, Abraham, you're going to show blessing to all the world. Not that Abraham's going to be one doing the blessing. God's going to use Abraham's life as a conduit to reveal his blessing. Sometimes Abraham gets this, sometimes he doesn't. He seems to in this moment, at least. Sometimes we get this and sometimes we don't. But what scripture calls us to do is to understand this very important truth. Our purpose, our ability to be a blessing, our ability to leave an impact in this world, to, to, as Steve Jobs like to say, leave a dent in the universe, how is it going to happen? It's going to happen because God is going to use us. We spend all our time trying to think about how do I make this grand statement before I die? We're probably not going to do anything that's worthwhile in the overarching story that God has in this world. But when we're thinking about God is the one doing the blessing, God is the one using me, God is the one who's given me a purpose, yes, my life is going somewhere, then we start to be enabled to do the things that God has called us to do. And God emphasizes this over and over again throughout Scripture. He emphasizes it over and over in the life of Abraham. For example, in in Genesis 15, God appears to Abraham and he reiterates his promise, but then he goes through what's called a covenant-making ceremony. And and Abraham cuts up animals and puts them along an aisle. And and traditionally in the ancient world, this would be the sort of thing done between a a greater king and a lesser king. And and they would make their promises to each other, how, how the greater king was going to protect the lesser king, how the lesser king was going to provide tribute and honor and so on to the greater king. And then they'd walk through this aisle together saying, may we be like those pieces of animal alongside of us if we break this covenant. Notice what God does, though. It says in, in 1517, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring, I give you this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Notice here that this this torch and the smoking pot that go through, those symbols of the Lord, Abraham isn't going through this, this ceremony. He's watching the ceremony. But God takes himself and puts only himself through the, the pieces of animal. In other words, God is saying, I am personally guaranteeing this I'm not saying, Abraham, if if you do things well, I'm going to use you to bless the earth. But if you don't, I'm going to slice you up like these animals. He's putting himself on the line. He's the one providing the guarantee. The author of Hebrews talks in chapter 6, 16. We looked at this last night at Little Hills. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, 
he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Notice what the author of Hebrews is saying here. We were thinking about this last night in the context of telling the truth and, and giving oaths and so on, that God is the God of truth, that in him is truth itself. And so as we represent God, we should be a people of truth. But the other thing that's interesting about this is that as God says things then, he doesn't need to give an oath. He doesn't need to go through ceremonies. He doesn't need to do anything. He simply is in himself truth. And so the author Hebrews says that's one way that God immediately guaranteed that he was going to do what he promised. He, he always does. But then he takes his very being and puts it on the line, swears by himself. He, he, there is nothing greater to swear by. He swears by himself to say, I am putting my entire being before you as the, the collateral, as the guarantee. I will do this. That doesn't take Abraham and make Abraham say, okay, can you can you show some co-signers for your faithfulness to this covenant? Maybe you can sign this or can you put a deposit down, right? You go to, to, to rent something and they want a deposit in case you bring it back broken. God doesn't do that with Abraham. He doesn't ask Abraham to somehow prove himself or he's going to lose that deposit if he moves out and the walls need painting. God puts it all on himself. For Abraham, but also for us. That's what we see in the New Testament. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul has been asking God to eliminate a weakness so that he can be stronger to go do the things that he's been empowered to do, the things that are purpose in his life. And this is the answer that God gives. He says, Paul says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul, whatever this thing is that he's asking to be removed, this thorn in the flesh, we don't know exactly what it is, but he says, God, you know, I have all this stuff I'm supposed to do, all the stuff you've called me to do. Would you remove this so I'm stronger to do it? And and the reply that he receives is, no, I'm not going to take that away because in your weakness, I'm going to show my perfection. I'm going to show myself. I, you are going to be the conduit that's going to offer blessing to the people that you minister to, but not because you're so strong and able to bless them, but because I am so strong and able to bless them. And that's what Jesus is saying to us as well. That in our weakness, he's going to show his perfection to those around us. He's going to show his blessing to those around us. Author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 9 says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of the heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal uh, promised e eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Notice, we're redeemed to serve. We're redeemed as those who are called. And in that we see that there is a purpose, but it's a purpose that's being affected by Jesus. He's the one that's bringing it about. We're not the ones doing it. 
But as we're redeemed, as we receive God's blessing, God's going to funnel blessing through us to other people, not because of how strong we are, not because of how important we are, not because we know how we will or will not be remembered in history books or in Wikipedia or even in the the memories of those around us, but because of him and what he's doing in us. Too often, we get boggled by trying to understand it all. But it's like this video here. I saw this a few weeks ago. There, there was a, a man who, who's a farmer in Australia, he, a sheep farmer, and so he has his sheep that he feeds daily. They know that he's going to provide for them so they can go through their purpose of lives of being sheep. But one day he decided not to put out the food in, in quite the normal pattern. He put it out in what you see here. There, you can see the sheep going to where the food's laid out. The barley is out there for, for them. And you see, he did this because his Aunt Deb had just passed. And, and his Aunt Deb was really, really important to him, so meaningful to his childhood. She'd been such a blessing to him because of what he said here. He said, my Auntie Deb was one of the biggest hearts known to me. Why not try to make a heart that showed just how big it was? And so he fed his sheep in the shape of a heart so that as they went to do their purpose for the day, to go eat, they were showing to the world how beautiful the heart of his aunt was. And this went viral, I'd like to think, as he showed how impactful his aunt was, he's showing how impactful all of us can be. I'd imagine she had no idea just what an impact she'd left on this farmer, Ben. Yet the world knows. And it was through little things like her giving him lollipops and just being there for him in, in moments that probably didn't even register in her mind. If she was saying, what's my great purpose in life? She may not have known that this was happening. And yet as she passed and as Ben wanted to remember her, you see this beautiful picture of this heart. But here's the other thing. Imagine if he'd tried to explain to each of the sheep, here's where you're going to go. You're going to go here, Joe. You're going to go over here, Sally sheep. You're going to go here and here and here and and try to arrange a sheep. I'm sure that's what he called them. Uh, So that we can form this heart so we can tell people about my wonderful aunt. That worked. No. What did he do? He he fed his sheep. He he provided for their daily needs. He They went about their daily purpose of eating and, and staying healthy so that they could be sheared for wool and so on. And, and, and in doing what they normally do, but faithfully trusting their farmer, their shepherd, as he was providing for them, he turned them into a beautiful picture of, of his aunt's love and a beautiful story about how we can show love to other people as well. That's what God's doing with us. We're, we're often just wandering around in the field looking for our barley for the day, looking for what we need to eat for the day. And, and we get bogged down if we're trying to think, well, can we somehow form a picture of something? Can we have some kind of significance? And yet God's putting that barley out in the field in a way that testifies to his love. He's laying it out so that as we go about loving him and loving our neighbor, doing those daily tasks that he's put before us that He will take those things. He'll take where he's nudging us for the day that may seem very insignificant and meaningless to us. He's using it for the testimony of his love to the world. He's the one that's going to do the blessing. The sheep had gotten bogged down in purpose. Nothing beautiful would have happened, and yet we see that beautiful testimony. And so too for us. May we not get bogged down trying to figure out the grand, sweeping, arching, overarching narrative of our, of our lives and our purpose, 
But may we trust that God has been building purpose throughout history. He's lining up the field to, to draw that beautiful heart, his heart, the biggest heart. All we have to do is be faithful in the moment and the part that he's given us. He will use us. He used Abraham. He uses all sorts of men and women in scripture. He'll use you. And he'll use me in the same way. Would you pray with me, please? Father, it's hard. We, we want to know that we have purpose. We want to know that we have a direction. We start thinking, how can I make a difference? How can my life be meaningful? And it becomes overwhelming. I, what can we do? You've made it clear what we should do. We should love our neighbor. We should seek to be a blessing to others. We, we should love you. We should be faithful to you and to your commandments. We should study your word and, and, and have it being applied to our hearts by your spirit. And, and while it might seem trivial what we're doing day to day, as we do those things, as we love you and we love our neighbor, you're gathering us into the field to draw that giant heart that the world might see who it is that loves them. Lord, would you use us this day and every day? Would you give us the faith to trust that you are doing that, even when things don't make sense or, or we don't know how to deal with all the, the, the potential challenges, all the potential ways things might go wrong, all the potential uncertainties? You just make it clear that as we faithfully follow you and do the things ahead of us, you will work your purpose in our lives and in the overall history of the world. Be with us each and every day through that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope this was an encouragement to you. And if it was, I think probably every person that is online tonight, every person that you know, every person in the world at some point is sort of weighing, what's the meaning of my life? What's the purpose in my life? You can help show them God's purpose for their lives, the confidence they can have as they turn to his word by sharing this video. And if you would, I'd so appreciate it. Give it a like, give it a share, leave a comment. All these things tell the social networks that, that, that this video was meaningful to you and then they might show it to someone else. Or maybe you can just email it to someone, invite someone over and watch it. We all need to be reminded that God's purpose is working in our lives, that we actually do matter and we do matter to him. We matter because he is faithful and he does what he says. And that's what we're celebrating on Friday night. I hope you'll join us online if, or in person if you're available. We can't send you a hot dog online. So if you can, come join us in person. You can register at faithtoberfest.org or use our Facebook event. Let us know you're coming so that we can have enough food if you're coming in person. It's going to be a wonderful night celebrating our God and his faithfulness. We have wonderful musicians and, and other performers coming to share and testify to that faithfulness. And we'll have wonderful fellowship with believers from all over the area and the world. So please do join us at, and check out faithtoberfest.org in the meantime. Next week, we're going to pick up and continue to think about how God shapes a people, a purpose, a people that we ultimately are part of by turning to the story of the Exodus. And so I hope that you'll join me at 7 p.m. next week for that. Also, in the meantime, uh, we after Faithtoberfest, but before next Monday, we have, of course, in-person worship on Sunday night. We're wrapping up our series, Kingdom Now, and I hope you'll join us for that, uh, once again, either in person or online. If you have any prayer requests, any questions in the meantime, feel free to shoot me an email at the email address on screen, or you can leave a comment in the comments below. I love hearing from you. I love getting to pray for you. It's always a delight as we share together in making sense of this life going day by day, and knowing that God is working his purpose in that. 
And as you go throughout this week, I hope you remember that, and I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. I'll see you again soon.